0: إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من الله فلا مضل ومن فلا هادي له وأشهد أن الله وحده لا شريك له أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so we began last time this hadith of uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he said That the religion it is advice, purity and sincerity So they asked the Prophet sallam to whom قال, The Prophet sallam said Lillahi, sincerity to Allah And that we discussed in the previous lesson And sincerity to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we discussed in the previous lesson, with regards to the Qur'an, the correct aqidah that a person needs to have regarding the Qur'an, reciting it, understanding its meanings, practicing it, all of that is sincerity between a person and the Qur'an. Then after that, the next section was, rasulihi That there must be this sincerity between an individual and the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. كَذَٰلِكَ تَنْصَحُ لِلْرَسُولِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عِسَلَّمِ بِأَنْ تَشْهَدَ أَنَّهُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ شَهَادَةَ الْحَقِّ وَالْيَقِينَ You demonstrate this sincerity between yourself and the Messenger of Allah, firstly and foremostly by testifying to the statement, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبَدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That is the basis from the shahadatayn, from the testimony of faith. La ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah. So a person testifies to that in truth, in absolute certainty, without any shadow of a doubt. Accepting and believing that the Prophet Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah, the truthful one, who came with the message from Allah to guide the people with that revelation. This then, the Shaykh says, that a person must attest to that inwardly and outwardly. It's not enough for a person just to say outwardly, "I believe in that," and then to go against it inwardly, and that you act upon what the prophet came with. And this, in essence, comes back down to what the meaning of Esha Muhammadan Muhammad wa who actually is. There are four parts that the scholars mention you need to be aware of when you say that testimony that Muhammad Alaihi is the messenger of Allah. There are four aspects that you need to be aware of. One of them is or the first of them is and we've mentioned them before as a reminder upon this now. Ta'atuhu fi ma amara that you obey the messenger of Allah in that which he commanded. That's the first part of your testification that Muhammadun Rasulullah. What does it mean that you testify Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah? Firstly, that you will therefore obey the commandments that the Prophet ﷺ gave us, the revelation in the Sunnah. You will obey that. Secondly, اجتناب ما نهى عنه وزجرى. that you will stay away from the prohibitions that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited us from. You will obey him in that which he commanded, and you will stay away from that which he prohibited. This is all a part of your testification. I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. That is also in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about this in the Qur'an, that as a part of your testification to this, there are certain parts to it. وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فخذوه وَمَا نهاكم عَنْهُ فانتهوا That which the Prophet ﷺ gives you, then take it, and that which he prohibits you from, then stay away from it. مَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فخذوه That which he gives you, then take it. And that which he prohibits you from, then stay away from it. They are the two parts. Obey the Messenger and that which he commanded, stay away from that which he prohibited. Similarly, there is the hadith. There is another hadith where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned exactly that: "Ma anhu fanta hu, wa ma amartukum bihi That which I have prohibited you from, the Prophet ﷺ said, then stay away from it. And that which I have commanded you with, then do as what uh, do as much as you are able. Stay away that from. Stay away from that which I have prohibited, and do what you are able from that which I have commanded. So, the first two parts of your testification, when you say, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa the first two meanings of that are that you will obey the Messenger of Allah in that which He commanded, and you will stay away from that which He prohibited. The third part of this testification is, Tasdiquhu fi ma That you will believe the Prophet sallallahu with certainty in the news and the information that he taught us. The information the Prophet ﷺ gave us about various affairs with regards to the Day of Judgment and what's going to happen, with regards to the punishment and the blessings of the grave, in the hereafter, all of the events that are going to occur. All of that is details that the Prophet ﷺ has given us. That was the revelation that he portrayed to us. So that you must believe in with certainty. That information that has come from the Prophet, ﷺ, that authentic Sunnah, then you must accept that and believe in it with certainty and not reject any of it. The fourth part Allah illa bima shar'ah. That you will not worship Allah except how the Prophet ﷺ told us to worship Allah. You will only worship Allah in the manner in the way that the Prophet wasallam taught us to worship Allah. They are the four parts or the four aspects of your testimony of Muhammadun Rasulullah, that you will obey him in that which he commanded, stay away from that which he prohibited, believe all of the information and the news that have come from the Prophet and to only worship Allah in the manner Which the Prophet taught us. That is what you mean when you say, Ashhadu Anna Muhammadan Abduhu wa That's what the Shaykh means. You have to implement this now, this nasiha between yourself and the Messenger, which is the implementation of this testimony, inwardly and outwardly, believing in that and acting upon it. Then on top of that, when you say Ashadu, أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That the messenger of Allah is the slave of Allah and the messenger of Allah. Muhammad is the slave of Allah and the messenger of Allah. That's the testimony. أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That testimony is a testimony of عَقِيدًا within it. It, it. it is the testimony of Ahlul Sunnah. Which opposes the extreme groups. Some extreme groups they go over and above the right of the Prophet ﷺ more than what the Prophet ﷺ told us to do, more than what Allah commanded us to do. They go beyond. So they begin to say things which are not established in the Quran and the Sunnah. They begin to say from their interpretations that the Salaf never had these interpretations. They begin to say that the Prophet was made out of light, and that the Prophet used to walk without a shadow. All of these things, the scholars, the permanent committee, al-jannah da'ima, they said there is no evidence for that. There is no evidence that the Prophet was made out of light and he walked without a shadow. In the Quran, the Prophet said, In as Allah mentioned, ana I am human, as you are. I am a bashar, human." As you are, the Prophet used to eat and sleep and drink, as we do. He was human in that way. However, despite saying that, we also say he was the best of creation. He was the best of creation and the most beloved to Allah, Khalilullah. The best of all of the prophets and messengers, the seal of all of the prophets and messengers. So the Prophet has a great rank and status. Has a great rank and status. The greatest of the prophets and messengers, the most beloved of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and the messenger of Allah and the chosen one who came with that revelation—that's the meaning of warasuruhu. So you balance it out; you don't go to an extreme and start saying that he was made out of light and he could do all these things and he knew the unseen. He didn't know the unseen. Sallallahu alayhi wa the Prophet ﷺ said, if I knew the unseen, I would have done much good, and no evil would have come to me. If a person already knows the unseen, then he'll be able to avoid any evil. If he already knows a car accident's about to happen over there, he'll drive the other way. The Prophet ﷺ said, if I knew the unseen, then I would have prevented any evil coming, and I would have done much more good. The Prophet ﷺ didn't have knowledge of the unseen. So this is exaggeration, the people go too far. And they go to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, and they throw in letters, and they make dua facing the grave, and raising their hands to the Prophet ﷺ. Some of them maybe even making sujood to the Prophet ﷺ. That is exaggeration. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى عيسى بن مريم Don't raise me up like the Christians did with Isa salam. They made Isa a.s. into God, into Allah. They said he is a part of Allah, one of the Trinity. They raised Isa alaihissalam beyond what we were commanded to do. What we've been commanded to do is that Isa alaihissalam is one of the messengers of Allah. One of the five best messengers of Allah. He came with the revelation. He taught Tawheed. He didn't teach the Trinity. He didn't teach the Christianity that the people are upon now. So the Prophet ﷺ said, don't raise me up as they raised up Isa ﷺ. Similarly, the Prophet ﷺ said, "La Do not take my grave as a place of regular visitation. Some people they think if you go to Medina, every day after every prayer you have to go to the grave. Or people who live in Saudi or in that area, some people they think you have to go there all the time, every day, every week after Jum'ah on Friday, they make timetables. This isn't correct. You go to the grave of the Prophet when you are there, you give the salam. That is all from the sunnah. But not to make some type of timetable, you have to go every day after Fajr, every day after Jum'ah, every week. That type of exaggeration again. That isn't from the sunnah. So here we have all these narrations. And that's what you mean when you say, "Ashhadu Anna Muhammadan abduhu." Muhammad is the slave of Allah. And Allah mentioned him as the slave in the Qur'an. That's mentioned in the Qur'an. If you are in doubt about what we have revealed, upon our slave, Muhammad. But despite that, then there is the other side, whereas we say that even though Muhammad is human as we were, and one of the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, however, he is the best of creation and he is the Messenger of Allah. So we obey him and we fulfil the commandments and stay away from the prohibitions. That's the combination of your nasiha to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Shaykh says here now, لَيْسَ الْمُرَادُ مُجَرَّدْ حفظ الْأَحَادِيثِ دُونَ فَهْمِ مَعَانِيهَا بَلْ لَا بُدَّ أَن تفهم الْمَعَانِي مِنْ أَجْلِ أن تَعْمَلَ بِهَا So it's not just about learning the hadith of the Prophet it's about learning them and acting upon them, understanding their meanings, لا because it's not possible you can act upon the hadith of the Prophet if you don't know the meanings. So, you should bear this in mind with regards to the nasiha between yourself and the Messenger of Allah. That you fulfill the obligations, stay away from the prohibitions. And that means staying away from bid'ah, staying away from innovations. مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فهو رد. The Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever innovates anything or brings about something new, which is not from our affair, not from our religion, then it will be thrown back onto him, rejected upon that person. So all of this is from the nasiha between yourself and the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, sticking to the sunnah and clinging onto it. That is why the scholars wrote those books, Usul sunnah of Imam Ahmed, where he spoke about clinging to the sunnah, clinging to the sahaba. This is the foundations. So that is your nasiha between yourself and the Prophet sallallahu Then after that, Wa Immatil muslimin And to those who are in authority over the Muslims. Those who are in authority... Over the Muslims why they Muslimin, the leaders of the Muslims and this is an affair that many of the people are confused about many of the people become emotional about when they see that a ruler isn't ruling properly perhaps or that there is some type of injustice occurring. so the people they rise up and they want to do demonstrations and they want to do revolutions and they want to gather armies to fight and all types of bloodshed occurs, then this is not the methodology of Ahl-Sunnah, these demonstrations and riots and revolts, and going out into uh, uh, the embassies. All of this type of way is not the way of the Sunnah. Rather, before they even get to that stage, a person should look at his own state of affairs. Why is it that they are in a state that the ruler perhaps isn't being just with them, or the ruler is perhaps doing something that they think Isn't justice to them? They should look at themselves. Are they a group of people? Are they a nation who are practicing the Quran and the Sunnah? Or have they themselves left the Quran and Sunnah? You will find the people themselves are distanced from the Quran and the Sunnah, yet they speak about the ruler is uh, evil and unjust to us. What about themselves having left and abandoned the Quran and Sunnah? Do they think they will get honor and power Through abandoning the Quran and Sunnah. Rather, they will get honour and power and unity and strength and a righteous ruler and all of the affairs through clinging and sticking to the Quran and Sunnah. There is a narration Yawallah alaykum kama takunu. There's a narration that you will get a ruler suitable to yourselves. You will get your ruler suitable to yourselves. So if you are evil and unjust and you leave the Quran and the Sunnah and you're upon bid'ah and innovation and shirk, then do not be surprised if you have a ruler that behaves towards you in that way. ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر بما كسبت الناس The corruption has come upon the earth and the sea because of what the hands of the people have earned for themselves. So before a person sits there screaming and shouting about the rulers, the rulers do this, the rulers do that, like you see the Hizb Al-Tahrir and the Muhajirun and all these Takfiris. Before you see them doing all of that type of stuff, Anjam Chaudhry and Abu Hamza and Abu Qatada, Umar Bakri, all these people, screaming and shouting about the rulers, and we have to do this and we have to do that and we have to attack. They themselves, look at them, are they practicing the Quran and the Sunnah as it was revealed? You look at the Hizb Al-Tahrir, how they walk around in the streets, half of them wearing gold medallions. This is what the scholars used to mention. They used to say, there are people in some of these countries, they scream for jihad, jihad. And they haven't got a clue what it is. They are takfiris. They're wearing gold medallions with a cigarette in their mouth, saying, yes, yes, we have to fight, we have to fight. A scholar said, look at them. You need to practice the Quran and Sunnah yourself properly. Sort out your own household, your family, your society. Bring them back to the teachings of the Prophet Sallam. Before you sit there screaming and shouting, the ruler this, the ruler that. We have to go to the embassy, we have to go do demonstrations. So here that's why one of the Salaf used to say look at this look at the way of the Salaf compared to what people do now one of the Salaf he mentioned that if he had a dua that would be accepted if he knew that there was one dua that would be accepted al-Fudayl ibn Iyad al-Fudayl ibn Iyadh he said yaqul law عَلِمْتُ anna li da'watan he said if i knew i had one dua that was definitely going to be accepted. I knew it was going to be accepted. Who would he make it for? Most people nowadays, they would make it for themselves, their family, for wealth, property, whatever. Al-Fudhal ibn ayyad says, if I knew I had one dua, that would definitely be answered. la li-sultan." He said, I would make it for the ruler. I would make dua that Allah makes the ruler upright and just and proper. Why? Because if the ruler is rectified... And you make dua for the ruler, imagine the 10 million people, 20 million in the country making dua for the ruler. And that dua is accepted, and the ruler becomes upright and just and Islamic and proper. Then that means the whole country will be run in the proper way. He will run the whole country in the proper way, on the Islamic way. So, this is how the Salaf they were make dua for the ruler that Allah corrects him. Not to go out screaming and shouting, we want to go and do demonstrations, we want to go stand outside the embassy in London. All of these things that I speak about, and this is from the methodology of the takfiris. So a person, he needs to understand the aqeed of Ahl-Sunnah when it comes to the rulers, and how we behave with them, and not to be influenced by emotions and the ways of the takfiris and al-muhajirun and all these types of individuals who scream and shout about those affairs, and in reality they have no understanding of them. The final part of the hadith then to conclude وعامتهم, The nasiha between yourself and the common people Amongst yourselves The nasiha that the Muslims have amongst themselves What is this nasiha, this advising That the Muslims have amongst themselves ta'kunu That occurs through truthfulness in your dealings with each other. That the people, they behave with each other with truthfulness, not with deception to each other or treachery or cheating or lying or backbiting or slandering. Rather, the Muslims behave with each other upon justice and uprightness and with truth in their dealings with each other. أَمَّا الَّذِي الْمُسْلِمِينَ فِي الْبَيْعِ As for a person who cheats and deceives other people, then he isn't demonstrating this nasiha. Rather he's demonstrating treachery and betrayal. He's demonstrating treachery and betrayal to them. كَذَلِكَ مِنَ النَّصِيحَةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ إِلَى اللَّهِ Another one of the ways of demonstrating this نصيحة, between yourself and other Muslims, is to call them to Islam, to the proper practicing of Islam, to call them to tawheed, to call them to the da'wah, to encourage them to attend gatherings where there is knowledge, to encourage your friends and your families and the Muslims in the society, to attend the gatherings of knowledge, to sit and read, and learn the hadith of the Prophet That is also nasiha, between yourself and the Muslims. And this is something, that is of extreme importance in the religion al-amr bil ma'ruf wa an-nahy 'anil munkar enjoining the good and forbidding the evil that is also from the nasiha between yourself and the Muslims enjoining the good and forbidding the evil just like it's mentioned in the hadith man ra'a minkum munkaran falyughayyirhu bi yadihi fa'in lam yastati' fa bi lisanihi fa'in lam yastati' fa bi qalbihi wa dhalika adhhu al-iman that if one of you sees an evil, then let him change it with his hand. Physically go and stop that evil, if you are able. If you're not able, and it's out of your control, then it says, in Lam If you can't, Lisanihi, Then with your tongue, try to advise the person, or write something to advise the person. That is also from the nasiha between yourself and the Muslims. And if you're not even able to do that, then hate it in your heart, this evil which is occurring, and that is the lowest of iman. So enjoying the good and forbidding the evil amongst the society, it is something that is required. There's that famous hadith, or that example, that the Prophet ﷺ gave. He said there's a group of people, they go out onto the ocean, and some of them are on the top deck, and some are on the bottom deck. The barrels of drinking water are on the top deck. So the people in the bottom deck have to keep going up and disturbing the people on the top deck to get the barrels of water. So the ones on the lower deck, they say, maybe we should make a small hole in the lower deck and let some seawater come in and we'll use that for wudu, etc. Here in this example from the Prophet ﷺ, if the people on the top deck allowed those people to make the hole, then the whole ship would sink, top deck, bottom deck, everyone drowns. Here, if they enjoy the good and they forbid that evil, stop the hole being made, the ship survives, everybody survives. That's the example given. If a person doesn't enjoy the good and forbid the evil in society, then that society it sinks, the sharia, it sinks, as Sheikh Al-Fawzan said. So a person must enjoy the good and forbid the evil, encourage each other upon truthfulness, encourage each other upon the sunnah, وتواسوا بِالْحَقِّ وتواسوا بِالْصَبْرِ They advise each other with the truth Allah said. That is one of the characteristics of Savior. One of the characteristics to save yourself from loss is that you advise each other upon the sunnah. Advise each other where the sunnah is, advise each other where the bid'ah is to stay away from it. Advise each other when it comes to these talks and lectures, where to go, where not to go. There are people maybe giving lectures there upon Sufi ways, teaching the people to go and prostrate to get graves. There are lectures being given with other people who are innovators and deviants, calling to cooperation with the people of innovation, calling to all types of other affairs, their own scholars perhaps refute some of them, they still have the conferences, like GLM at the moment now in Birmingham. So avoid these affairs and advise each other upon truth, where to go to seek that knowledge and where to avoid and that is as Allah said, قُوْ nara." Protect yourselves and your families from the fire. One of the ways is to make sure that you're taking the knowledge from the right sources. So this is the final part that's mentioned in the hadith. That a person has the sincerity between himself and the other Muslims. Has the sincerity between himself and the other believers by advising and counseling in the proper and correct manner. So we'll conclude upon that point now briefly. That's the end of this particular hadith. Uh, next time we'll start with the next hadith. Inshallah. أُمِرْتُ أَنُ qatil النَّاسِ حَتَّى يَشْهَدُوا أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ Inshallah <laughs> wa ta'ala. وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ